All right. Greetings out there, everyone, to all the listeners and fans and appreciators and fellow seekers, researchers, scholars, you name it. Uh, we have a great show for you today. Again, joining us is Joseph Atwill. He's the author of Shakespeare's Secret Messiah, Caesar's Messiah. You can visit his website, postflaviana.org or caesarsmessiah.com. Uh, oodles of information that you can pick up there uh, explaining the nature of the oligarchs that purport to rule over us and dominate us. Uh, so if you're an activist, if you're a true seeker, uh, you need those arrows in your quiver. You need that information to understand the nature of your adversary. So uh, we recorded about an hour and a half the last time, but uh, the gods of the internet interrupted and just <laughs> canceled that. So I'll have to release that as some type of bonus track in the future. But we're going to pick it up today, uh, today again and just talk about recent events and uh, the nature of our reality and so forth. So, Joe, welcome back. So good to see you again. It's good to be back. Thank you, Cameron. My pleasure. So uh, what's on your mind these days? Like, wh what are you uh, looking into? Mm, well, I, I, I'm going to be finishing uh, the article on the origin of the Nazi Party. I have a lot of new information and unfortunately, it's becoming unwieldy. It looks like it'll have to be a book, which um, I was hoping to just keep it as an article because I think the information is is useful and valuable and hasn't really been brought forward. Um, but just to clarify it to a point where I think people can see how strong this analysis is, how likely this is to have been the trajectory of history, um, I have to you know, digress and you start, to, you know, like um, the different individuals um, who have represented themselves to history in a, in a certain way, but in fact, were actually part of what I would refer to as a Judeo-Masonic uh, conspiracy, to, for lack of a better term, that um, got into the political system and then started uh, controlling um, history, basically. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been dealing with is, you know, I use the term Judeo-Masonic. Um, I don't think this is a conspiracy of the Jews. It isn't a racial accusation. And I certainly don't think it's, it's a conspiracy of the Freemasons. It's, it's a group that I don't have identified clearly. However, the best way to describe it I can come up with is Judeo-Masonic because so many of the individuals in it are either Jewish or Freemason. Yes. So that's just how I describe it. Um, the, um, the symbolism that you can see, a lot of it is related to um, the struggle between uh, the Romans and the Jews in the first century. Um, I think that the group is aware of the Flavian typology the analysis I brought out in Caesar's Messiah. Um, now, this does not necessarily mean they're Jewish, but it does mean that they don't believe in Christianity and would probably want to usurp it as a political force. So I think if you look at the Middle Ages and you look at the Freemason uh, attack on Christian culture, I think a lot of it is, is based in that struggle, the struggle that occurred in the first century. And um, to give you an example of how this spills over into our modern time, 
people wonder about 911. <clears throat> I mean, what, you know, why did it occur on that day? Um, and I think it's actually fairly obvious. Um, this is the first year, 2001, of the third millennium. So you've had 2000 years basically of the Christian era. And now you have a new era, something new is coming, a brave new world. And so um, that's, that is why the year is selected as 2001. And then the date 911, well, if you're a Bible scholar, <clears throat> you kind of know what the date means because Tisha above, that's the Hebrew term, uh, that is the date uh, which you can represent as 911. Um, that the temple was destroyed in 73, and also the, that which, which was the se second destruction of the temple, and was also the date that the temple, uh, the Jewish temple of Jerusalem was destroyed um, in, I think, the 5th century BC. So in other words, you have the date of the destruction of the temple uh, is being represented by the selection of September 11th. Um, and if you recall, there were three buildings. One of them is the Solomon Brothers building. Um, so I think you can understand that the, the typologic linkage between Solomon building, the Solomon building and the original temple, which was built by Solomon. So, you know, these are, um, you know, it's a collection of curiosities. And um, I think though it's, you know, in fact, clear cut that that was the reason for the these buildings had been selected. I think actually what they're doing is they're representing the Trinity, um, and uh, with the three buildings and the destruction of them. Um, the The fact is is that the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, is a representation of the Flavian Caesars, the the three Flavian Caesars who conducted the war against the Jews in the first century, um, Vespasian, Titus, and Domitian. And so you have the father, Vespasian, who is the son of the, the father of the two boys, and then uh, Titus would be the son of God. He's represented by Jesus Christ, and Domitian is represented by the Holy Spirit. These are the typologic representations in the Gospels of the Flavian Caesars. And so when you come to 911, you can see that it's very easy to understand it the date, the year, the date, the year is selected, the day of the, the month and the day of the month, and then the, uh, the three buildings and with the Solomon Brothers building being one of them. They're all just, it's all just a representation of uh, kind of an eye for an eye. You know, they're just symbolically representing that uh, they're destroying, you know, uh, the, their representation of the Christian Trinity to usher in you know, the, this brave new world. And, and uh, I'll mention that um, uh, George Bush Sr. Uh, on September 11th, if you recall, gave his, um, you know, brave new world speech where he talked about uh, there, there will be, you know, a, a new world order. Do you recall that? Yes. And he talked about a new world order where the rule of the law would replace the rule of the jungle. And he, se he selected that date. Well, you know, again, this is, um, 
you know, Bush is obviously Masonic. I mean, he's a member of Skull and Bones, which is a Masonic annex. His father was a member of Skull and Bones, and so was his son. So you can see it's a, you know, you can characterize it as a Masonic family, obviously. And so to them, um, you know, he gave the New World Order speech on September 11th to, you know, indicate that um, uh, the Christian era was coming to an end and there would be the, you know, its destruction and its replacement. And then since then, um, you know, you've had draconian restrictions on freedom being implemented since since September 11th and then uh, kind of accumulating with the vaccine mandates, uh, you know, last year and so, or year before it. So um, I think you can see that, you know, from my interpretation, uh, the, you can draw the conclusion that, you know, there is a secret society that, that is uh, orchestrating large scale cultural phenomena, you know, like, like the destruction of the World Trade Center and the vaccine mandates. And and they're doing this for the purpose of um, <clears throat> control and also genocide. Yes. And I would argue that um, the Ukrainian war is theatrical. It's not, you know, an actual military conflict. It's a, it's a process by which the population can be reduced. You know, if you look at this last offensive, this so-called counteroffensive, they were just running um, Ukrainians into automatic weapon fire. They had no real chance of breaking through. And then you get into the casualties. Well, you know, you have different numbers. Is it a half a million dead? Is it a hundred thousand dead? It's just some, you know, just based on the fact that they're talking about a general mobilization of the Ukrainian nation in order to gen up enough soldiers to fight. I would lean more likely it's like a million overall casualties, probably half a million dead, 400,000 dead. Um, and that this is just going to go on because, um, you know, the NATO leaders have taken the position that, well, we're just going to do what it takes. Now, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? And unfortunate that what it takes is the sacrifice of the uh, humans who live in Ukraine the European, this is what it takes as, as they see it. So um, once again, Europeans are, in my opinion, led by a Masonic overseer um, that is marching them into automatic weapon fire for the purpose of depopulation. And this, of course, is... Uh, painful for me because my grandfather experienced that. He was at the Battle of the Somme in World War I. Uh, he was mustard gassed, which is actually, turns out, probably saved his life because if he hadn't been, he would have been uh, in the groups that actually went forward. They lost 60,000 people in two days there, just this incredible slaughter. But he was mustard gassed, and, um, and that saved his life for you know, for a period. However, he, he never had another healthy day. He was sick for the rest of his life, had emphysema, and then eventually lung cancer and, and died. This was your father or grandfather? My grandfather. Wow. Arthur Follows, um, a poet and um, all around good guy and uh, just had the misfortune to be uh, Canadian and was uh, 
conscripted into the armed services. I'm not sure, maybe even volunteered, you know, who knows the people, the, the propaganda was so thick, you know, I don't know. I don't know the term, how he got in there, but he did. And so anyway, he, um, he paid this terrible price, but when you think of world war one, I, I mean, Cameron, what was the cause of it? Right. I mean, there wasn't any cause. It was just, you know, done for the purpose of, uh, depopulation in my opinion and then you know uh, you know the how these these things are all related the on the um on the allied side you had all of the overt freemasons you know you had kitchener uh churchill uh Hague. i mean these are just well-known grandmaster freemasons right and they are the generals pushing their troops into the automatic weapon fire on the other side you don't have overt freemasons However, you do have the Kaiser, who is a Mason, and also he is the first cousin of the King of England, right, of Edward. And they're cousins. There are pictures of them playing. They're both grandchildren of Victoria. Huh. So you think they could have worked out the struggle uh, without slaughtering half of their populations. But unfortunately, in my opinion, that was the actual plan. That was what they were trying to do. So that's why you... Um, you had that result. Um, but the the point I was trying to make, make here is that Germany was actually, during World War I, a military dictatorship. And it was really controlled by uh, Ludendorff, who someone people have almost no understanding of, but he's a very, very important figure in, in our history. And Ludendorff is not um, linked to masonry. In fact, he, he wrote books in opposition to masonry. However, I think he was, in fact, I think he was just a very deeply hidden Mason. You know, they adopt these identities to confuse us. But in any case, um, Ludendorff was the other half of the population reduction process. You know, he, he kept the war going and pushed it forward and slaughtered all of the, the Germans. <clears throat> but during this time, he's also the one who who determined that the uh, the way to weaken Russia would be to insert Lenin with a lot of money and and support into the country. And Ludendorff is the one who actually uh, released Lenin, put him in the train, the famous sealed train, arranged for the funding and sent him into uh, to Russia. Now, why this is, you know, just critically important is that Ludendorff is also 100% the individual who selected Hitler, even though there's various, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of mythologic ideas about how Hitler emerged. In fact, Ludendorff um, was the one who was looking for the messianic leader. And um, just by circumstance, someone who worked for him named Mayer, um, decided to send Hitler of all people, uh, who he described as a tired and beaten dog, um, someone who was not particularly, you know, mentally noticeable. Um, he sent him to these uh, a workers' party meeting, where uh, he met with um, uh, Dietrich Erkart, who some reason for some reason thought saw him as the uh, Maitreya. This was the Theosophical Society's Messiah. Now, this doesn't ring true. It's a complete nonsensical story because you can tell this because on the other side, 
on the Ludendorff side. Ludendorff was also looking for an individual to basically be a messiah. Okay, he was looking for, he claimed, for a red-haired Bavarian young teenage girl. He was looking for a Joan of Arc substitute. Couldn't find anybody, but just figured, what the heck, Hitler seems good enough. So we'll, we'll support this guy, finance him, create all the structure around him to lead him into, uh, into power. Well, gee, is that believable? You know, I mean, it just seems uh, preposterous and in fact is. Um, and, uh, and bear in mind what this indicates. If you look at the, um, there, was, there were articles written about this. The most important one was written by uh, a guy who was um, Carl Mayer, I believe. I can give you the citation on it. He wrote an article in which he talked about uh, he had been Hitler's employer. You know, he'd had him under his command for several years. And then immediately after Hitler joined the Workers' Party, he was also basically in charge of Hitler. And he's the one who then got the orders from Ludendorff to send Hitler into the what becomes a Nazi party workers meeting. Um, and so you can see that when Mayer describes what Ludendorff is looking for, he's not looking for someone with any independent agency, not looking for someone who thinks for himself, just the opposite, looking for a puppet, looking for a puppet. That's what Ludendorff is looking for. Now, Ludendorff is looking for a puppet because he was upset about Germany's condition, which he created basically 100% with his insane war and, and, uh, and destruction of the German people in, in the conducting of the war. Um, but he's upset by, about it now and wants to restore Germany to greatness. And so he's looking for a messianic leader, Joan of Arc, can't find her, um, this guy just sends Hitler for no particular reason into the workers' party meeting, and um, and then Ludendorff decides to support this guy. So this is our historical trajectory of Adolf Hitler. Um, it comes from the guy who inserted Lenin. And I, in my article, the Freemason invention of the Nazi party, and if anyone wants to see it, it's, it's at post-Flaviana. There's no paywall. The analysis is just there. Um, you know, you, you can see how the, um, uh, you know, the, the selection of Hitler, um, the, the, all of the apparatus around him, it, it's all the creation of a puppet. And this is, this is what Ludendorff had done. Um, and it makes perfect sense because remember, uh, yeah, there it is, that Ludendorff was the dictator of Germany during World War I. And so, you know, this is why he selected a puppet to, to lead the country after this. And anyway, and it led to, um, you know, basically the, the, the most destructive blow against the German people that has ever been dealt. And um, I maintain that um, this was done for the purpose of... Uh, uh, punishing the Germans for the war of the first century. And this, again, it's a very complicated analysis. Um, the Romans in the first century, at least the ones who were leading the war against the Jews, were blondes. Or, this is the traditional understanding. The name Flavian, the Flavian Caesars, means blonde, fair-haired. 
So this is, I think, why the um, the Nazis <clears throat> were set up around this concept of the Aryan, the fair-haired, you know, kind of uh, Germanic individual. Even though, if you notice, just oddly enough, all of Hitler and his immediately immediate commanders are strangely Semitic looking and have dark hair. I mean, where's the blonde-haired Germanic person, you know, in the, in Hitler's circle? You know, there just isn't any. So um, this is, you know, just kind of shows you that that you're dealing with an artificial political structure, in my opinion. And um, anyway, and so this, um, you know, this 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 set up the, our modern world. You know, World War II, um, and uh, as long as I'm on the subject, I'll also mention that this same group, um, the group that creates the Nazi Party. Um, which then contained Hitler, it comes from British Freemasonry, right? And, and I, the, in, in the article that you recently had, it'll show all the relationships to it. Um, and this group also created Zionism. Now, people think of Zionism as being Jewish, you know, something that's a political movement that comes from particularly the you know, rabbinically oriented Jews it doesn't. It comes from British Freemasonry. Um, it started in 1840. It doesn't start in like 1890 with Herzl. <clears throat> it had been going for 50 years before that. I call it the Proto-Zionists. And it starts with uh, Palmerston, Lord Palmerston, who's the uh, Freemason Grandmaster, all-around wicked individual. He's the one who ran the uh, gunboats up the Yangtze to you know, insist on the Chinese, you know, being addicted to opium. He was, uh, he'd become prime minister of Britain and um, he made a decision or a statement that now is the time, this is 1840, now is the time for the Jews to return to the Holy Land. Now is the time. Uh, Jewish intellectuals of the era, like uh, Abba Ibn, um, they just couldn't understand what the heck he's talking about. They, they just, I mean, Zionism was absolutely at low tide. The, the Jews were actually integrating into Europe, were perfectly happy, and saw the Palestine as being occupied by another people and not being a particularly pleasant place to vacation. They just had, they did not have that kind of attachment that we now, the fervor, the passion that we now associate, you know, with the Jews and the Holy Land. Anyway, um, Within a month after um, Palmerston made the decision, the British landed troops in Palestine, which was part of the Ottoman Empire, but they never really left. There was, from that point on, there was some British military presence in this region. Um, the Rothschild family arranged for the purchase of the Suez Canal so that this would further kind of create, uh, you know, a, a Jewish culturalization of the area. And then you had the intense um, Freemason project that brings about the Balfour Declaration, which if you look at its trajectory, it really comes from the Cecil family, who are the grandmasters, you know, of, of Freemasons of England. Um, many, many scholars have noticed this, that it isn't like, you know, the Rothschilds 
came up with the document or the concept. This the the Balfour Declaration had been in motion really since 1840 that they were going to create a, a, a territorial structure in the area that would contain um, the Jews that they were going to uh, populate it with. And in the article I wrote, I asked the question, which I think is a lot, an obvious one, falls right out of the you know, facts of history, is that did the, did the British Freemasons maneuver kind of European you know, society so that they could punish the Germans or the, the fair-haired people of Europe for the war in the first century that brought about the destruction of the temple and also drive the Jews of Europe into, into Israel to repopulate it. In other words, did they try to recreate the geographical alignment, you know, um, that existed in the first century? And I think that they did. I think that, that, uh, that that was what they had in mind. And I think that if you look at Freemasonry and its um, obsession with Hiram Abiff, who was the builder of the Solomon building, to use an expression, um, you can see that uh, um, you know, this is a, a kind of a natural conjecture. Yes. Wow. So uh, all of this... You know, because I've been uh, looking into your material and, and other related material, uh, each time you, you bring it up is excellent because it just, you know, another pass, another layer of paint and new connections emerge. And so this revenge fantasy of uh, some type of satanic crypto satanic cult. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, and I would also say um, I have an article uh, on The Tempest. And if you yes. Google Atwell and The Tempest, it's another article at Post Flaviana. Um, you can see that this is an example of how our literature, so much of our literature is actually related into the struggle, this hidden struggle that I'm talking about. Yes. Um, the Tempest, which um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, I, I'm not sure that is the actual article. That's one that I wrote with Jerry, but it, it, it's, it contains the whole uh, it is the um, it's uh, the uh, the article I wrote. <clears throat> I have one that I just wrote by myself, which I think is completely reflective of my position on it. And um, the um, the the analysis shows that. Well, first of all, the Tempest is based on the Book of Isaiah, <clears throat> and that's something that you know Shakespearean scholars are aware of. Um, the character Ariel that the, the sprite that dances around this kind of magical sprite is actually uh, a character in the, the story of the book of Isaiah. Yeah, that's the article that I wrote, The Apocalyptic Brave New World. There it is. And in that, in that article, I show that the book of Isaiah is being represented at the beginning of the play. The term, the tempest, comes from the play. The character, Ariel, comes from the play. The behavior uh, of, of, the, uh, of the individuals, you know, is... Uh, is representing uh, events that the book of Isaiah depicts. Anyway, um, so scholars have known this, but I show in the analysis that the relationship between the play and the book of Isaiah is a lot deeper than the uh, critics have understood, and that actually all of the book of Isaiah, 
is being represented here. Now, this is problematic because the book of Isaiah depicts ultimately a kind of post-apocalyptic world where the Gentiles have been swept away and all that's left are, um, you know, the a desert uh, that have owls in it and, uh, and, and, and the, the people of God now, so that the Gentiles have been put into a dream state that Isaiah describes. They, they don't, you know, they can't, they, it's as if, in Isaiah it's described as, you know, they, it's as if waking from a dream and thinking you've been eating and drinking, but in fact you're starving and dying of thirst. You know, that's how Isaiah characterizes it. So you're put into a dream state. So anyway, this is important because this play is where the expression brave new world comes from. This is where the, the term comes from. It's in this play. And it's describing this post-apocalyptic world, the brave new world. This is what the brave new world is. And I show in the play how, how the, the playwright makes that clear, that you can understand that this, is, this brave new world is really the post-apocalyptic world that Isaiah describes. Um, and so uh, then when you get to the end of the play and you have Prospero you know, talking about this project that he has, that he needs the assistance of the play of the people who are attending the play. You have to be the wind in the sails and push him forward. And I think he's really just talking about um, the mind control, wherein um, you know we have to build our own slave camp. Our energy is going to be used to create the technology and all of the things that they would need in order to control the world. So that's pretty troubling. Um, and yet, if you read the article, you'll see that I'm not really leaving the analysis of other scholars. I just, you know, expand on, on uh, details that they are unaware of that, that show that it, it is not just a fraction of the book of Isaiah, but it's the whole thing. So um, this 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 play, the the Tempest, then becomes you know, um, well, I mean, the Brave New World title then is used by Huxley, <clears throat> and Huxley descri describes the uh, dystopian slave camp with stratified levels of intelligence and the government controlling education. And, and mood and psychology. And if you're any reason you're upset, you're given drugs to Soma to trank you out. Well, unfortunately, um, this is kind of, I think, where we are. Yes, you know, absolutely. It's not a bad description of America. Um, I was recently, I've been in some cities and, you know, when you see the fentanyl victims, I mean, they truly are like, epsilons you know i mean they are really subhuman and um and then you add to that cameron you know you add to that their this propensity they have to genetically modify us you know there's like the the vaccine so-called was actually a transvection it was modifying how our genes are operating and i mean this is a troubling precedent to me you know i think the covid you know pandemic was propaganda. I mean, it wasn't really, you know, some kind of treacherous new bubonic plague that was going to wipe out a lot of people. None of the 
the draconian responses by government to it were needed. I mean, they could have just left it alone, which is what they should have done. But in any case, you know, we, we, we went into this, um, you know, basically tightly controlled world. And then here come the vaccines, which are not really vaccines, but are in fact transvections, which is a kind of genetic operation that goes on inside your body, you know, from the insertion of RNA into your cells. And, you know, so this is just... Um, Joe, real quick, yeah. can I show you a clip? Uh, it's 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 a ceremonial portrayal of what you're describing from the Queen of England, which, you know, she would be like the brood mare of all global Freemasonry. Here we go. I'm gonna go ahead. Your Majesty, the Commonwealth of Nations Globe. Okay, so there we have, you know, the, the tree of life being modified, the third strand being added, some type of maybe Kabbalistic symbolism with the, the globe of the commonwealth or the nations or the goy who, uh, and that's the thing. It's like there is no real genetic necessarily uh, determining factor that we're aware of with these elites. They just have this agenda to cull the population to maintain dominance and they use uh artificial constructs and religious constructs suggest us into expecting these these predictive prophecies yeah and they do absolutely well i mean it's um their symbolism is obviously becoming more overt right they're they're more comfortable in in and i think that from 911 forward it will just constantly become more and more you know, in the way that you had Catholic Catholic symbolism, basically European wide, you know, in the, in the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, they're they're just going to move into that kind of a format. The only question is, is who's going to be left to be a servant? Um, if you look at the uh, um, births and deaths following the vaccines. Um, you know, there, it's a very troubling picture because births are way down. There seems to have been some sterilizing element, at least that would be my explanation. And I don't know of any other one um, from, in re, that comes from the vaccine. And then, of course, you have the rises in all causes of mortality. Now, you know, you can really see malevolence. And I know that the vaccine is causing it because I have an analytic proof for this which is the following. <clears throat> they have 
um, double blind data here. In other words, you have people who didn't take the vaccine and people who did. So all you have to do is just put the two groups into separate pots and then analyze the these the phenomena, you know, how, how it works in the different groups. If 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 the uh, the group without the vaccine is not having increases in these negative effects, then there's your answer, right? Totally. So my point here is that, well, since it'd be so easy to do, yeah. and the question is obviously one that needs to be answered, and it hasn't been done, the explanation why it isn't being done is that the oligarchs know what the answer is, and they don't want the public to have it. That's exactly it. And, you know, here's another clip I'd like to play because um... I love incidentally, I really enjoyed that. She is just an amazing witch that uh, yes. former queen. Yeah. 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 Right. I'm surprised they didn't feed her a, a, an infant right before. I mean, she's just so creepy. Oh, okay. And when you get into things like adrenochrome, which is also being revealed uh, by all aspects of society, from entertainers to government agents, uh, that's part of this clandestine operation to, well, you know, we have in the new sphere, you have this concept of the great awakening and the great reset. I understand totally why someone might be cynical or black pilled and say, this is just another dialectic. They're just pushing us into uh, oppositional forces to eventually do battle. Um, and that's, that's a fair supposition given the history that you've just laid out. Uh, but there is hope. And uh, let me play this clip real quick and then we can take it from there because I think it, it maybe adds another wrinkle to this potential for that we are being divided by these two camps to be slaughtered, but maybe there is some aspect of hope we can count on. So one moment, please. Let me uh, bring this up here. Okay, this is from my Twitter feed. So if, if anybody out there wants to comment, jump Just on there. The left-wing lunatics are trying very hard to bring back COVID lockdowns and mandates with all of their sudden <laughs> fear-mongering about the new variants that are coming. Gee whiz, you know what else is coming? An election. They want to restart the COVID hysteria so they can justify more lockdowns, more censorship, more illegal drop boxes, more mail-in ballots, and trillions of dollars in payoffs to their political allies heading into the 2024 election. Does that sound familiar? These are bad people. These are sick people we're dealing with. But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, hear these words. We will not comply. So don't even think about it. We will not shut down our schools. We will not accept your lockdowns. We will not abide by your mask mandates. And we will not tolerate your vaccine mandates. They rigged the 2020 election, and now they're trying to do the same thing all over again by rigging the most important election in the history of our country, the 2024 election, even if it means trying to bring back COVID. But they will fail because we will not let it happen. When I'm back in the White House, I will use every available authority to cut federal funding to any school, college, airline, or public transportation system that imposes a mask mandate or a vaccine mandate. Thank you very much. Okay. Oh, that's great. I, I wish you'd given that speech four years ago. Well, that, and see that, don't, don't we all? I mean, I've, I lost my brother, uh, my aunt perished in a hospital 
after being sequestered for the last three weeks of her life, her family was, so she was caught up in this, this drama theurgic ritual to paralyze us and put us in the land of Nod or, or in the suggestible traumatized state that you're describing, uh, the dream state of Isaiah. Yeah. And so there's the, all these techniques are being revealed uh, by different actors at different times. And of course, you know, if Trump had initially stated, uh, don't take the vaccine at all, it's all a fraud, perhaps they had another agenda they would have been able to push through. And that's where there's conjecture around his launching Operation Warp Speed is uh, they in the in the Q post, they allude to the film, uh, The Hunt for Red October. Are, are you familiar with that film? I am. So spoiler alert for those. I mean, it's 30 years old by now, at least. But essentially, the film requires this strange uh, paradoxical battle technique where in order to preserve the submarine, the Red October, they have to head directly towards an oncoming missile in order to uh, trigger the missile's self-destruct system. Something like this, where if it's in, if it's too close by a certain time, it's not able to arm, so it will just harmlessly bounce off the hull of the ship instead of you know devastating it. And if you think about what Trump just stated, the fact that he's publicly the largest the largest figure in history in terms of communication access. He's on X, which used to be Twitter, which was purchased by Elon Musk, another lifetime actor. We'll see if he's a white hat, black hat, or somewhere outside of that dialectic. Uh, but yet, still, Trump just received the largest interview numbers, ratings in history with Tucker Carlson right. on X, right. doubling uh, the number of viewers that Michael Jackson got with Oprah, I think, two decades ago. And one, another good piece of news is that they're committed to streaming his court case in Atlanta on X and on YouTube live. So if the deep state were truly in control of these social media platforms, that would never happen. Because Trump is just now in a position to reach the entire world, subpoena people to testify and enter evidence into the permanent record about these crimes. And something else that occurred that's a good sign is, you know, and I hope I'm not a, I'm being exploited for having hope yet, but they were trending Nuremberg 2.0 on X just yesterday. So I think from the positive perspective, we're, we're looking at the people who engineered this madness actually being held accountable in our lifetime, potentially. But I understand that with, with Trump saying he's the father of the vaccine, and that the vaccines are good, go ahead and take them, and, and you're seemingly taking money from Pfizer. It's very easy to, uh, you know, rubbish him and say that he's just part of this genocidal, uh, I don't know, ritual that they seem to keep continuously. You know, we, we don't know, but <clears throat> the fact is his optics are certainly a lot better than Joe Biden, for God's sakes. Um, <laughs> I would much rather have president saying that than, you know, Biden's promotion of the transgender meme so uh, you know there's no question in my mind who should be elected president here um as, as far as the reality and back of all of this i'm just not in a position to know i mean i can only approach these things analytically um i am suspicious of trump um but i am hopeful and i certainly think that the speech that he gave it that you the clip you you presented I mean, that is the best statement 
that I've heard a politician make concerning, you know, COVID and the vaccines to date. That's the best. Good things. I'm sorry to hear that. And- best statement. So uh, hats off to him. And um, and if, if it is some kind of complicated theater, well, I don't care particularly because I'm going to support the person who made that statement because that statement will be something that will stiffen the spine of, you know, politicians who are sitting on the fence and we're concerned of what's doing it, uh, of what they should be doing. And so, um, you know, we just have to, uh, we have to make the choices that are the best for us. And, and with Trump and Biden, I mean, what is there even to discuss, you know, Um, I think to me, more important and you know perhaps an area that there's more clarity um is local elections you know i think the smaller elections are really where we can make some some progress because um you can vet the candidates more more thoroughly more honestly i'm working with a an individual who i really hope runs for congress in texas and he's a statistician and a brilliant one. And if he can be encouraged to run, even if he loses, just the information he can bring out about the vaccines, about the data. I don't want to give out his name, um, but he's pretty well known in the internet. And if this individual runs, it would just be like uh, he could support Trump in ways that you know, we can only imagine because he could give such a strong statistical, uh, you know, refutation of the nonsense that Pfizer and Moderna, you know, presents in the EUA and all of the, the stuff that they've given us to justify, you know, us taking this stuff. And and this has to happen, Cameron. Cam- candidates like this must come forward because, you know, we're at a life and death point here, right? I mean, when they're right. talking about another mandate uh, to lock us down and then another perhaps round of mandated vaccines, God knows what technology they would represent. I mean, it's easy to imagine just a complete wipeout at that point, you know, of, of like a dramatic reduction in population. So we really need to um, to do everything we can to organize ourselves and fi- try to find people that are good hearted and smart and can represent democracy. I, I agree totally. And, and thankfully, you know, that's the internet, of course, with the algorithm sifting information, it's very easy for them to uh, do a man-in-the-middle attack and manipulate us and kind of create a, a reality tunnel around their their social engineering desires. But I'm also seeing interesting phenomena with related to Q and the control of these different social media platforms. And so previously, uh, you know, they would release drops sometimes multiple throughout a day and they'd all be intertwined and, and related to exposing this hidden uh, threat to humanity to this deep state to the common person not someone like ourselves who are you know immersed in this for over a decade plus in your case several decades and so uh, one of the things they did to gain trust and and uh, show that they had more control than maybe we imagined was uh, we all remember the the great meme war of 2016 when the Podesta emails were leaked, yeah. and so, and suddenly PizzaGate blew up, and people all over the globe understood. Okay, maybe they've they've tipped their hand too 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 uh, steeply, and and the illusions broken. And of course, the subsequent cleanup, 
required mass censorship and purging of all conservative voices. And in doing all of this, they, they announced for anybody paying attention, like, look, this, here's totalitarianism. Here is the inability to utilize your freedom of speech to protect yourself through systems your tax dollars funded, uh, DARPA and the Internet and so forth. And so, strangely enough, Q said, all right, go to Google. And when I say Q, of course, we mean the, the highest branch of military intelligence, whoever's leading this uh, this back channel. They're saying, go to Google now and search for the terms that are delisted previously, such as, say, Pizzagate or Hillary Clinton, Frazzle Drip, you know, all the things where if you wanted to suddenly be uh, given this red pill about the nature of adrenochrome harvesting, sex trafficking, uh, you name it, uh, all the, the myriad details. Well, they were all scrubbed from the first page results of Google, and that's one of the ways they suppress our uh, capacity and intelligence to defend ourselves is they just don't allow you access to the information. Well, suddenly for like two days, all of the old memes and all the old links were, were right there on the front page. So if you search Hillary Clinton and Pizzagate, very detailed threads that had been created in the wake of that public disclosure that had been su suppressed totally were suddenly first page results. And they had done this with Twitter as well. So they were showing people like, look, we have the ability to immediately open the floodgates informationally through the enemy's systems. And when you think about the NSA and, and their capacity to basically copy the entire internet and run simulations based on it in their silicon hive and, and with the NSA in Utah, uh, you know, that's all it would really take is, is someone like a Trump figure and his team who understanding all the the techniques of manipulation subtly encouraging the enemy to expose themselves and then bring them into a situation where they could no longer escape and, and be totally uh, brought into the light of day such as we might see with this trial I think it's set for October 23rd in Atlanta uh, it's so ironic to me it's like I move out of Atlanta and I've been in access there since 2001 and then it's just blows up, <laughs> well, blows up. I have a question so um, let's just assume Q is a, a real thing. It's an organization of two people or whatever, however you want to characterize it. <clears throat> how, how does it stay hidden from sort of mainstream political power? Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't they have the ability to recognize who and what the individual is or group is and, and destroy them? Well, you know, that's an interesting, that's a great question. Um, in a way, they've already uh, tried to do that in so many ways. If one of the things Q will say is, so for instance, you know, they'll post Q drops and they're encouraging people to research independently and post their results. So that's en that's encouraging, and especially the the topics they're covering, they're they're in no way uh, glorifying of of our enemy. They're tearing them down. They're mocking them. They are exposing them for the world to see. And so to answer your question, why haven't they been destroyed? I think it's out of their control. And what they've tried to do is just smear them with their mockingbird merchants. So that in and of itself, it's, it's just like Shakespeare. You know, the lady doth protest too much. The number one topic on many of these websites is, of course, always Donald Trump and always QAnon. And so they mislabel it, which is a straw man technique. They call it QAnon. It's not QAnon. It's just Q. Uh, Q only ever posts from one one source that has already been 
pre-verified by uh, people like Jim Watkins over at uh, 4chan, which is now 8coon. That's where this was launched, was in 4chan. And one of the Q drops that supported that this was always a military intervention was that they eventually revealed they had a they had one post in particular that said America will be free 11 11 18. So this is before the date potential, you know, Veterans Day 2018. And then later what they did was there was a little bit of sleight of hand and a mnemonic with multiple uh, related facets of information structured within it. So 11 11 18, of course, you've got Veterans Day, but you also have the 8 Coon uh, ISP number was in 11 11 18, which is, of course, the Department of Defense server. So what they're, they're pointing to is like, yes, we created 4chan as this last bastion of free speech. And yes, we allow, you know, anime tentacle porn in one aspect, but we also could uh, embed within it this patriot movement globally to expose global sex trafficking, pedophilia, crimes against humanity, and rouse the sleeping populace during the time where we know they're launching the lockdowns. When, and of course, they weren't expecting Trump to win. Uh, and so I can I can provide you with notes for, um, for those out there who want to verify anything I'm saying. Trust me, they you're going to have to go to different channels. You can't use Google and expect good results always. Uh, maybe if Q tells you to go there, but go to freespoke.com. That's one uh, more relatively free uh, search engine that you can utilize. But check out on Bitchute, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E. There's a compilation of, of documentaries put together by a guy named Mr. Truthbomb, and it's covering the last seven years of the Q movement. So there's quite a bit of information. It's probably 20-something episodes. But they are uh, very informative, and they've done a great job documenting this movement and putting together what are called Q proofs. Q proofs are uh, statistically, it only makes sense that it be coming from something like the military and military intelligence to be able to pull something like this off and what they've done to gain people's uh, attention on these matters is of course involve Donald Trump as part of the operation so to that effect on truthsocial.com Donald Trump has retruthed Q related posts and uh, and uh, purveyors of information over 630 times so that's just one one Q proof but there's literally hundreds, if not a thousand plus at this point. And there's a great film. Uh, I'll post it on the website. I've already got it there on sacredgeometryinternational.com and all the Gnosis podcasts. I've posted this multiple times. It's called Ultimate Q Proofs Volume 1. You have to search for that verbatim, Ultimate Q Proofs. Because even in the alternative video systems, they're still dealing with a, an immense amount of suppression of authentic information. Uh, it's almost like when I was doing a lot of 9-11 truth activism, uh, anything involving Building 7 in a legitimate way for a long time on YouTube would be suppressed. Right. It would have its viewer count artificially shrunk. So it makes it appear that it's fringe. And that's, that's, these are all the techniques they're using to suppress the reality of Q. And then, of course, they always uh, project onto it the most outlandish aspects of denial, such as we see with, you know, when Pizzagate happened, what did they do to shut it down? They have some random guy who's a known actor. He's actually on IMDb. He shoots a rifle into the uh, Comet Pizza. It, it, it miraculously penetrates the heart of the hard drive that has all the CP on it. And they get to suddenly become victims. And they roll out James Alephantis, who's, you know, sex trafficker, 
at large, uh, whose Instagram, I don't know if you've seen his tweets and his Instagram account, but this is another way that they blackmailed all of Hollywood and, and DC is a lot of these people, they became so emboldened. They were outright posting the fact that they're, they're into the sick stuff. And Alephantis, if you look at his Instagram, it's terrible. You've you've got some just horrific images of children being abused and and. Sick. Oh yeah, no, I've seen the pictures. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that it's, so? So Q, in other words, is pointing people to this material again and again. And one more quick thing, and then I'd like to turn it back over to you. But uh, this is from Liz Crokin, who is a independent journalist, and she's the type of journalist America needs. She's reporting the facts uh, above all else, and she's suffered greatly for it. But she's done a tremendous work she has been honored by uh donald trump so this is footage from the d5 event which is what the bush senior funeral and so everyone's finding letters hidden within their programs this is jeb bush and there's laura bush bush's wife this is at the moment that George Bush Sr. is being wheeled past them. And they look like they've received the kiss of death with these notices. So you've got a lot of deep state actors here. Given some type of notice or warning that maybe their days are numbered. Here's Biden and his wife. They all look kind of shocked. Here's Obama, of course, and his boyfriend. actually been I mean some of the biggest numbers in internet history were rolling through towards this this disclosure and this event you know it's the death of Bush senior here's a guy who he's gog and magog he's he killed Kennedy you know he's he's just as evil as it gets and all the people that were brought there to honor him being served some type of notice and they brought this up on the Q forums and so it was Q's promise to to respond well it's unimaginable that there isn't some reaction to you know the satanic influence in the government that exists inside sort of middle level army you know um uh, officers right uh, so the concept of q is probably true to some extent regardless of whether or not what we see you know and on the internet is Right. what they produce um, until it's made public, um, you know, like who they are and, you know, what they stand for. I, I will just reserve judgment about the whole thing. Um, I certainly hope that, that this group does exist. Um, don't really understand why they don't become public because I think, frankly, they would be fairly easy to identify. Uh, if if they're operating, you know, with this kind of deep level information and bringing it out, um, so what what's how much more risk will they create? Um, I, I just wanted to digress for a second, and I don't know, you know, you mentioned the uh, that uh, the date that uh, you know one one that they came up with uh, 
Um, 11-11. Yeah. Did you know that um, when Franz Ferdinand was assassinated uh, to uh, to actually begin World War I, uh, he had a license plate that read A111118. Now, this is obvious representation of armistice 11th November, you know, on 1918. Um, hard to imagine this is circumstance. Um, so you can see that, you know, the prophecy is uh, easy to do when, you know, you're controlling history. Um, so right. we'll, we'll see, you know, um, uh, what happens. I, I think that it, it is a good thing to pay attention to Q, but it is also a good thing to be skeptical of it. And, and just to have um, the promotion of just extreme skepticism in the population. I, I totally agree. I, I, I'm skeptical of Q, uh, but I also have seen so much of what they've accomplished in terms of informational awareness and and uh, keeping a lot of Americans like so we see the Proud Boys being completely thrown under the bus yeah. by the corrupt elite. Uh, Joe Biggs was just sentenced to 17 years. So there's Q, of course, the 17th letter. And um, he's someone who was outspoken about Pizzagate that that caused him to be fired by Infowars because they weren't willing to take that on at that time. Uh, you know, the way that they have gone after for questioning Sandy Hook. So it's being, for, for those of the eyes to see, you know, there, anyone who stands up against them at this point is totally pilloried by the media. They're, they're absolutely done in. And this is interesting. So the 11-11-18, the you brought up the A11118 license plate. This brings up a couple of connections as well because I think it was a, where was it in Virginia where they had the supposed racial, racist, excuse me, racist uh, attack where the guy drove a car into the crowd. Right. I don't recall which town it was in, though. Charlottesville. Okay, Charlottesville, yeah. Virginia. That same numbers were on the same license plate, or on a different license plate, but same numbers. And so, Kabbalistically speaking, there's, well, you've got, if you multiply 11 times 8, you get 88, which is the day that we had the Maui fires. And it's also the day of the Deep Horizon oil spill under Obama, where they let it, they left that open for 88 days, which 88 relates to Hermes. And so the way these Luciferians see reality is as above, so below, as within, so about, so that if they're doing sympathetic magic on one level, it can fractally reverberate through the whole system and, and gain some type of power overall. We see it writ large with the two towers dissolved and then reassembled, coagulated into the one giant vaccine tower to rule yeah, them all. Yeah, interesting, yeah, yeah. And when you brought up Armistice, it brought up the, some of the relationships with uh, Fortinbras, strong arm, in your analysis of Hamlet. Right. And this this whole pruning and delimbing and grafting type of typological uh, uh, structures that they're riffing on continually. So Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, um, it's self-serving uh, because I wrote the book, but I, I will say that, you know, to really get kind of a sense of the of the symbolism and the use of symbolism and typology that the oligarchs engage in, you really have to start with an understanding of the Gospels. Yeah. It's just 
foundational. It's it's the you know particularly for European and European culture, it, it was the only real book that that was culturally powerful. You know, for over a thousand years, and I think that the the books that respond to it, um, like Shakespeare, for example, are directly related to the kind of typology and wordplay that, you know, I show in Caesar's Messiah. That's why, you know, Shakespeare's Messiah and Caesar's Messiah, the two books I wrote are actually just one book. It just, the, the analysis starts with the gospels, but then it goes into the Shakespearean plays and it shows that they are directly related and built upon this kind of secret, um, typological and and almost black magic understanding of the world, you know, that yes. the oligarchs are engaging in. And so, you know, it's um it's a lot of work to for for you know both psychologically and just analytically for someone to start out uh you know coming out of the American school system and then try to work toward the point where they can understand, like say the symbolism of uh, September 11th, right. but you really need to do this uh, because otherwise you're not going to know up from down in terms of the real world. So um, when people ask me, I say, well, unfortunately you have to start with Caesar's Messiah. And I know it's a poorly written book. I mean, I get criticisms for that all the time, but I am, am confident that the analysis is correct. Um, I'm I'm not conjecturing anything. I'm just showing relationships between passages and and what the meaning is of these relationships is self-evident. And so then, I think it's very clearly written. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you know, I mean, some people get it anyway. But from there, you go to Shakespeare, and now Shakespeare, which has been such a puzzle, suddenly becomes clear as a bell. You don't have to worry about what the you know the frame, interpretive framework is. It's it's right in front of you. And now you get to understand books like Brave New World, um, you know, even even uh, you know songs like "I Am the Walrus," which seems right. so cryptic. Um, Google my name and "I Am the Walrus" and look at the uh, analysis I do of, of the uh, seemingly gibberish in lyrics, and you can you can see it's very straightforward that actually, Cameron, they are talking to us and they are creating legacy. And we need to have enough skill and, and energy to uh, to understand what they're saying to us, and then to you know to to change the uh, the future that they are creating for us. I agree, and and uh, it it does take some time, but it's 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 not it's worth the investment because we're talking about unveiling the nature of the adversary throughout time, and that they have to, in some sense, warn us. You know, it, it seems to be that they uh, they believe they're absolved of karma. It could also just be that it magnifies the hypnotic effect when someone speaks to you in like a such a uh, I don't know with so much power and force and repetition that it takes on like godlike yeah. proportions in your head. And in, and then of course, as you mentioned, the gospels being basically the only form of media that people could ingest for so long, uh, how that shaped our entire consciousness, and we're still suffering from it because. You know, Christians are built with like uh, oftentimes like a self-destruct button. Like there's certain questions they're not allowed to uh, venture forth because they're already they're already programmed to think that they're going to go to hell for doing so. And I was recently kicked out of a quote-unquote patriot group because it was mostly Christian patriots, and 
basically I just I just said well if God is infinite and has everything and we are really uh, totally sub underneath God in terms of power why would God need us to sacrifice something to him or it or whatever like it's already the total fullness of reality it doesn't make any sense that it would need its own creation to then serve up you know tasty meat that it could inhale yeah, well said I mean if God intervenes in the hands and the affairs of men he doesn't do it very often <laughs> so we're we're uh, kind of left to our own devices and and uh, you know I mean uh, the great weakness of Christianity is that it um, gives up power to to yes. authority figures, you know, and Paul talks about, uh, you know, the magistrates were put there by God, obey the magistrates. Um, independent media is just the reverse. It's actually deconstructing and reversing Christianity in that it's the independent media is saying, you know, we have to be Socratic. We have to um, not have any preconceptions, not give our trust to any authorities, and to use one another information that that we can make sense of and exchange it and and perfect it, you know, to use one another to help improve the analysis. Um, and that can be a process that is actually what I would call democratic. It leads to some power for for you know the majority of, of the population. The way things structured now, it's just the opposite, you know, I mean, they have level level levers of intimidation everywhere. You know, I mean, you get uh, so-called scientists coming forward and telling you about the safety and efficacy of the vaccine. What's a common person going to do against that? You know, I mean, they don't have training um, to to uh, analyze such a person. They just feel it's important and, and then they succumb emotionally and intellectually. So this is the really the purpose of the of the independent media is to just we, we've actually discussed this before we're actually in the process of changing the way people think it is a long-term project and step by step we are breaking down the misplaced trust in authority and in religion and replacing it with a kind of socratic method where we're just going to be skeptical of everything. We're going to weigh all the evidence ourselves and we're going to use logic and reasoning to come to our conclusions. And we're going to get better at doing this every day. We're just going to get better and better when they, they make, you know, the, the criticism that, well, you know, um, you know, you can't, you can't believe that, you know, you're using Google gives you the same, ability to understand medicine that my 12 years of medical school does, you know. Um, and, and I always say, you know, I'm sorry, but it does. <laughs> I mean, they don't, they don't I, I, I mean, I, I am not trying to have a role of a, as a doctor. I'm trying to understand the truth of the world and of how medicine fits into it. You, on the other hand, have been subjected to this long-term Yes. propaganda program you're the last person i would turn to to try to um you know explain how medicine fits into our current reality and how it could be used against us you know by oligarchs um the uh, the vaccine and the mandates and and the drugs itself really expose the medical profession i mean it just exposed them 
very few doctors stood up against this. As, as time went on, more and more did. But if the medical profession was really healthy, if it was yeah. Hippocratic, you know, yes. they, there would have been 90% of the doctors would have stood up against the mandates, against the mask mandates. You know, they would have just, they would have said, no, there's no real reason for this. So the medical profession has been exposed, but Cameron, all of the professions yes. <laughs> have been exposed. They all have been exposed. <clears throat> we can't take, you know, any academic um, New York Times reporter, uh, you know, political analyst. I'm sorry, we have to always assume that there are lifetime actors um, and we have to have the same, you know, skepticism toward them and that we would against any kind of information that's coming forward. You know, I mean, we have to, the concept lifetime actor is a really valuable one and people should, should understand it and, and use it in their life. I mean, if you're a shill for the CIA or not a shill, but if you're a, a spy for the CIA, you would have a secret identity. You, you wouldn't, you know, register in the hotel as a CIA spy. You, you would have some fake identity that you would present and that would help you, you know, conduct your, your operation. Well, that's the same general structure that, you know, people in the media, that uh, the, you know, journalists, I mean, when you look at the Mockingbird uh, control over the media and, and you look at, uh, you know, the politicians who, they just all have a single note, a single understanding of something as complicated as say COVID, you know, you're not dealing with independent thinkers. What you're really dealing with here is a, a group that is reflective of a certain kind of programming. And so these people are not in our interests. They're not there to help us. They're there to protect the interests and the agenda of the oligarchs. And they've developed a lot of technology. We need to up our game too. We, we need to develop uh, the skills that are necessary now to keep democracy operative. And, and that is, you know, really being skeptical um, in, in terms of how they manipulate us to, to, to weigh everything, you know, that uh, comes our way as, as potentially being propaganda. It's a difficult way to live. You know, it's not comfortable. It takes a lot of energy, but I just don't know what else I can, I can say. If you want to stay in existence, you're just going to have to give up trust and develop skepticism. Amen. I, 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 I appreciate everything you said. I, I agree. If we could, uh, to Trump's credit, you know, he was exposing how this entire system is designed to genocide us in different ways. And it's, it's a tremendous task. And it really has been unfolding in so many ways, whether it's, you know, of course, the media is, is huge, exposing to the world that, look, you can't get a fair shake from these people. Uh, here's a case in point. I'll, I'll quickly uh, divert over to my Twitter timeline. And for those at home, if you want to see this, just go to twitter.com backslash sacred geo, G-E-O-I-N-T, short for Sacred Geometry International. Again, that's twitter.com backslash sacred geoint scroll through uh, give us comments if you want to bring up questions for the next show i'm all ears uh, so this is a video of a press conference with donald trump and he's being asked whether or not he's attacking a satanic cult of pedophiles and i think it speaks for itself uh with the symbolism everything we're just describing here theory it is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this site 
I haven't heard that, but uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, you know, if, uh, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. And we are, actually. We're saving the world from a radical left philosophy that will destroy this country. And when this country is gone, the rest of the world would follow. The rest of the world would follow. That's the importance of this country. And when you look at some of the things that these people are saying with uh, defund the police and no borders, open borders, everybody just pour right into our country, no testing, no nothing. You know, you talk about testing, no testing. Uh, Mexico, as you know, has a very high rate of infection. The wall is now going to be next week 300 miles long. Uh, our numbers are extraordinary on the border. Had that, and this is through luck, perhaps more than talent, although the talent is getting it built when one party refuses to allow it. You don't hear talk about the wall anymore. But I will say this. Um, we need strength in our country, not weakness. So, um, you know, all I can say is my hat's off. Again, that's just a great speech and something. Uh, in fact, if you could send me your links to these, I'd like to have those. Because okay. I want to pass those on to people I know. I mean, you know, um, uh, I, I just hope that that's real. I'm going to maintain my skepticism until it's proven, but I am definitely... Um, in supportive of the words and ideas, 100%. Oh, totally. And, and that's the thing. It would be the worst. I would hate to turn around and say, wow, Trump just set us all up. He was the uh, the final gotcha. You know, he's the final Obama. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, actually, his, by their fruit you shall know them. And one of the things he's done is make guys like this. So here's a lifetime actor, speaking of which. You know, here's John Cusack, so projecting, Donald Trump is a lying, treasonous, child-abducting, rapist, sack of shit. Wow, so articulate. And he's busted. He's outed. And this is true of so many of their ilk. They, wow. they hate Trump, and they expose why they hate him, because before Trump, there was, there was no global recognition of this outside of, you know, true for activists, independent researchers. Now it's uh, globally known and the people who are profiting from it, like John Cusack and participating in it, they're the ones screaming uh, and, and telling everyone that the orange man and all of these deplorable conservatives, they're so evil. Here's another great quote. Never forget Democrat mayors sent SWAT teams to shut down churches and barbershops, but let looters and Antifa burn down cities. Well, clearly there's, there's an agenda to infiltrate and devastate from within and and to the Q movement's credit, they've been exposing that. And one of the things that they may have prevented was outright civil war. So we saw what happened with J6, the largest gathering at the mall, I think, uh, and for a uh, protest, I think, in American history. I think that was one of the largest, if not the largest. Yeah. And they're holding people in captivity and, and torturing them with, uh, uh, what is it called, when you're, when you're isolated totally in prison? Um, what is that called? Solitary confinement, yeah. which is psychological torture. And I've been into it a little bit. I didn't have to go through it like Adam Kokesh, but I've had enough to know that it is, in fact, psychological torture. And uh, Adam Kokesh, they gave 111 days. There's a negative Kabbalah. There you go. Right. Yeah. Of, uh, of punishment for cocking a shotgun in D.C. within their, their sacred realm, so to speak. 
and uh, you know it's all it's there. <sighs> the these ideas are coming out, but as for official disclosure, I think the ensuing election, excuse me, the ensuing uh, trial in October, Trump will be able to produce evidence to the whole world of the election being stolen. Yeah, it's, that, a, it's that, a critical moment in our history. We'll see what happens. Um, Absolutely. These things tend to disappoint, but let's hope that <laughs> yes, that's true. actually, um, if, if he is real, he will be able to get information to the public that could just change our culture forever. That's right. So let's just see. So now that I have full subpoena power because of the freedom of speech sham indictment by crooked Joe Biden, deranged Jack Smith and the DOJ, it has just been reported that the unselect January 6th committee, they are unselect indeed, of political hacks and thugs, has illegally destroyed all of their records and their documents. So they took all of their records, all of their documents, they reported it, tried to get me indicted, and probably did, and then they destroyed everything. This is unthinkable, and the fake political indictment against me must be immediately withdrawn. The system is rigged and corrupt, very much like the presidential